don't you know Draws all everywhere, draws all everywhere, draws all everywhere You can't stop it Come and wind it back and pop it up all And so it's one gravity Draws all everywhere, draws all everywhere Hey, hey, I'm Murph. I'm a former heroin addict, current alcoholic, and you're tuned in to Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests. Speaking of, I got a dynamite one on my hands today for you. He's a touring comedian and host of his own podcast, The Downside, where complaining is encouraged and silver linings are debunked. He did a recent set on James Corden's program. Please welcome to the program, Gianmarco Sarisi. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. The live audience is excited to see you here today. Uh, yeah, good, good. That, that was a bigger applause than I got for James Corden when I walked <laughs> on stage, so I appreciate it. Yeah, brother. We keep them warm here. We like to keep a nice hot audience here on, on Weekly Dose. So thanks so much for doing the show. Uh, we got some jam-packed stuff here today, so we're going to dive right in. Um, you know, I, I always tell my guests, I don't know how much, how many drugs you've done, how many drugs you're comfortable about talking about doing, whether you've ever done them, whether you plan on doing them, doesn't really matter. Sure. I, I've been pushing myself more to do more drugs uh, of late. Um, for me, I think it's because you know, I'm getting older and I am trying to figure out what drugs to take like in my final days. Like <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, shuffle off this mortal coil raw, so to speak. I, 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 you know, I, you read, People's like last words are like, I wish I worked less. I wish I spent more time with my family. I want my last words to be like, I am so fucked up right now, bro. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's what I'm working toward. I think everyone's last words should be like, dude, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I feel that. Yes. So Why shuffle off the know, mortal coil care. when you can stumble off the mortal coil? Of course. I don't listen. I, I, I don't I don't think there's a God, but I still want to meet him. Yes. Does that make sense? That's the kind of high I want to be. Hell yeah. In my in my final. So I have to figure that out because I also don't want you know to be like you know if if I if I do cocaine in the last day, then my last thought is, "Oh, I have a great screenplay idea." And that's not the way you want to go out. That's true. You do have to choose wisely when you're talking about deathbed drugs. I agree with that. Um, yeah, Coke is like, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want the wild ideas of like, oh, I got to make these phone calls. I got to make these moves happen. And yeah, the screen screenplay has been banging around in my head for too long. You don't want that. Uh, I would say for, at least for me, I would think something more, you know, I mean, usually, it, you know, it depends on if you're in a hospice scenario, you want some morphine, you want some, you know, you want some opiates to drift sure. away, but I'd say psychedelics. If you're going to meet God, if there is, yeah. even if there isn't get your visions on and, and just, and just, you know, and glide off this mortal coil. Yeah, I agree. I saw what I did most recently. I had done pot, but I did shrooms for the first time, and it was like not a micro dose, like a regular dose, macro and oh, mid, uh, mid range, mid mid range, mid range. And I had a very good time. Nice. I had a very very so. Uh, I'm hoping to do more shrooms next time, and then maybe maybe acid, and. And then there's the other hand where I don't want to do I don't want to do them all because like let's say I do that big hallucinogenic 
and then I don't meet God. Then I go, oh, man, now I'm never going to meet him. <laughs> so so I want to keep some mystery. It's a balance. It is a balance. It's a tough balance. But I do appreciate, you know, you're open to trying. You know, I know a lot of – and, you know, look, if, if you don't want to, you don't want to. That, that's up to, 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 the, to the person, of course. But it is fun that you're saying I'm getting to an age when I'm thinking about doing drugs because it's usually also oftentimes – uh, you hear the reverse of like, oh, in my youth, I was a little wild. And then I got I like that you're kind of flipping the script on that. I don't know. You see, I, I never will understand if I've just always been so anxious that I was scared to do drugs or if the anti-drug campaigns, which I felt like were very prevalent in my youth. I'm 34. Sure. So this is like the 90s uh, or whether those were just so effective. <laughs> you know, I, I think certainly with smoking cigarettes, the anti-smoking ads, I do think instilled in me a sense of like cigarettes are dirty people. The, the, so it worked in that sense. Yeah, for sure. No, I think um, I think. Well, you say you're 34. Yeah, I think a little bit. I'm 41. A little bit behind me that the truth talking about those truth ads or whatever the cigarette stuff yeah yeah those were those were big my, my my younger brother says the same thing about about the old truth ads um i think that hit a generation yeah i mean it it could work in the sense of you feeling like it's dirty but then it also works in the sense where you're like putting putting people who smoke in, in, a, in a sort of box for for kids so you know there's the, there's the both sides of it it's like you know maybe you sure. don't smoke but then you're like everyone who smokes is dirty and now i don't know we got another another uh, division uh, amongst us for whatever but yeah i, I think uh I think we grew up in the heyday too of these of the anti drug uh, ads because I feel like the kids nowadays you see a couple of them on the internet but we were looking at them in prime time you know every any show you want to watch growing up watching TGIF or whatever like at every at every commercial break we were seeing some like sensational uh, over the top anti drug ads so I think we were lucky in that sense to to have that entertainment uh, for us now some of them were moving some of them were really effect- I remember the the egg cracking in the pan this is your brain sure. on drugs that was sure. a classic. A lot of like cigarette with the guy, you know, with the thing where the he voice can't box, talk. Uh, gag at it. Yep. And they always show. I don't know. They, they always show that one where they're like, "This, these are a, a smoker's lungs, and these are non-smoker's lungs." And I always thought, like, well, yeah, but they're both dead. So <laughs> yes, who was partying more? Who was know. having more fun while they were here? <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. The, the charred pile of, of lung might have had themselves a time. Who knows? But I think it's my school's like not saying it's looking back. I'm like I don't think it's a good thing. But they really, they really beat it into my head. And I wish I had smoked pot much earlier in my life. Yeah, I really do. But I, I was, I, I was scared of it all. I, I was, I felt like that was a sign of a life on the decline. Sure, sure. So the, so the answer. So this is all right. So this is. I thank you for the perspective too coming into this. So now we kind of know. What we're diving into because we got some weird, fun shit from back in the day to get into uh, on on this episode here. Uh, but we will kick things off uh, the way we normally do uh, by sliding into the substance report. This is the question: Do junkies' lives matter? So, John Marco, the mainstream media, as we've kind of already talked about, uh, you know, the 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 narrative around substance use has kind of been their coverage has been trash historically. Uh, in my opinion. Sure. And so, you know, I like to here. I like to take some of the top drug related stories in the news and give them a, a little different perspective from what you might see uh, in the in the in the streams that are main. Uh, so this one here today, this this article I, I, I saw on MNNME, NME dot com. Uh, and the, uh, the headline here says Margot Robbie reveals what they're actually snorting in Babylon. Uh, the actor advised director Damien Chazelle to tone down the, quote, ridiculous lines of white powder that were, quote, like the size of hot dogs. 
Uh, and I don't know if you've seen this film. I have not, full disclosure. No, I don't think anyone did. No, no one saw it. Um, uh, it's in theaters and no one's there. It's a Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, uh, just debaucherous. I mean, I think it's just all about debauchery in the in the. It's a period piece. Twenties looks like thirties maybe. Um, yeah, well, haven't seen it. Don't know much about it, but it's a drug related thing. So here we are talking about it. Uh, basically the whole thing here is now, you know, you're in the, uh, in the business of entertainment. I don't know how much uh, acting, uh, you've done, but, uh, in, in these kind of circumstances at least, but, uh, this is a little behind the scenes bit from Margot Robbie here. Uh, she's saying that, uh, she was asked what the white powder used in the film was to represent cocaine. Cause apparently there's a shit ton of it in this movie. So Robbie said, quote, it was either vitamin B powder or icing sugar or baby laxative. Either way, it does hurt oh. after a while. So, yeah. So now I guess my first question here is just uh, get, get curious to hear what you think. Uh, would you prefer snorting baby laxatives or cocaine? Uh, you know, because at that point. It's interesting that they what they're asking of, of these uh, actors. I mean, I doubt based on the trailer of this movie, it looked like the guy who wrote it did whatever cocaine was in the vicinity. <laughs> So there probably wasn't anything left. I don't know if this was an acting choice as much of a, a supply choice. Uh, personally, I don't know. I like the idea of, of snorting the – but isn't baby powder also very uh, in demand right now? There's a whole shortage of it. Dude, and here we I, are with the shortage of, of baby formulas and baby products. Yeah, the shelves are bare, and these fucking Hollywood hotshots are, are doing lines of it, for Christ's sake, mounds of it. I listen. I this is not approved of by SAG, the union that I, I am in, sure. despite not having worked as an actor in a decade. But you're <laughs> you're not supposed to do drugs. But I feel like it should be an option. I feel like, come on, there's plenty of there's plenty of people doing cocaine after the shoot. Why not just have some in there? Daniel Day Lewis would never stand for this shit. Thank you. Daniel Day-Lewis would sooner... I'm sure... I bet I bet there's no movie where he describes Because there's no way DDL is snorting baby powder. No, 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 no. DDL is like, let's make it realistic. Put some fentanyl in this coke because that would be a risk. <laughs> yes. Make sure we're playing record on the first take because it might be the last. Yes, we want the roulette. We want the fentanyl in some of these, some of these lines so that we can play it real here, yeah. I think the nice thing about like acting... With this, like you wouldn't have to fake it. If you're snorting anything in your nose, you're gonna go, "Oh God!" I, I, it would be fun. I've never snorted cocaine on set. I think I've smoked fake cigarettes. I've smoked fake pot. Yeah. Uh, but but I would I I would love to honestly because I've I've only done cocaine uh, once. Kind of, I did a bump off a key, so I'd be nervous if I was at a party and Margot Robbie was there. Uh, and I wanted to look all cool. I think I'm going to practice with uh, the, the the baby powder mm -hmm. at home, so I can like really get smooth with it. Right, right, right. So I don't look like a fool in front of Margot and Brad. <laughs> so when so when it comes go time to snort lines the size of hot dogs, you know you're ready because yeah, a little key bump here and there won't prepare you for the for the level of for the size apparently of the of the of the lines that were being cut out here. We used to call them gator tails back in the day when it was a line that was just way too big you know what i mean you're just kind of like this is you know you got to really take a deep breath and, and inhale but a hot dog i mean again i think the director apparently was just saying oh it doesn't read on camera whatever else and it's like sure i mean you know i get it but at a, at a certain point anyone who does cocaine is looking at this kind of being like well this is fucking absurd like nobody's doing lines i like 
cocaine in movies is... I wish movies were more accurate about cocaine because the one time I did it, I was it was uh, it was like a second date of sorts. It was a hookup, and um, she had some cocaine and was 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 like, "Let's do some." And I thought I just seen speaking of Margot Robbie, I just seen Wolf of Wall Street, ah, yes. and I was like, "Oh wow, we're gonna have you know some some passionate lovemaking." I did some cocaine, <laughs> and and I could not get it up for the rest of the night. And they, they, and they don't, you know, there was no scene in Scarface where, where uh, Pacino was desperately beating his yeah. placid penis while, while keeping, keeping her aroused with his non-dominant hand. Yep. It was a lot. So, so I feel like we need more of those scenes. We like, do. Let's see the scene where Brad, who probably is already of the age, he's struggling to get it up already, where Brad is with Margot Robbie. And he's like, fuck, I should have done, uh, 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 you know, pigs in a blanket size line of cocaine <laughs> instead of this hot dog size line. Yeah. And Margo's like, it's okay. It happens to everybody. But you can tell that she's disappointed. <laughs> and the movie ends there. The movie ends there. See, now that, I'll see that movie. That would be now right. We would be talking about this film in a whole different light if that was what we we're talking Yeah, the theaters, you couldn't get a ticket to that, to that film. Uh, I'm with yeah. you on that. Say hello to my flaccid friend has just been kicking around in my mind ever <laughs> since. So I'm just, I'm going to have to just say that out loud. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I think you're right. I think that this, that this would have taken a turn. We want to see old ass Brad Pitt. Yeah. Just like trying to struggling to get it up. Pigs in a blanket, uh, is the title. Oh yeah. Oh, Babylon Brad Pitt has sex with the Brad Pitt has sex with a hot woman. Cool. Cool. New movie. Yeah, hero. I've seen it already. Yes. I've seen it. We've seen it for Show decades. Me something new. Decades now. Show me Brad Pitt trying to stuff his flaccid penis in a, in a condom, like putting sheets on a beanbag. Like something fun, something new. Brad. That, that I will see. Well, Babylon 2, Pigs in a Blanket, is going to be quite the feature film that we're all waiting to see. Um, yeah, so, uh, so that's our substance report. You know, that, that's what's going on in Hollywood. Uh, but we, we're going to pivot here and, and dive into something a little old school because we got started talking about this a little bit when we were younger. So we're going to time travel back to 1989 here, uh, and we're going to take a look at uh, dive into the fog of drug war. War. It's fantastic. So what this segment's kind of all about here is like, you know, over, you know, trillions of dollars spent, 50 years the drug war has been going on, and as with any war, there's a lot of weird shit that goes on. A lot of stuff comes up. You know, the fog drug. People are, there's confusion. There's absurdity. There's like, well, that happened. This happened. It's, you know, war is a weird thing. Uh, even when it's like a, a fake war, pretending like it's a war on chemical substances. Uh, you know, no matter what the war is, when you put a lot of money behind something, you call it a war. Weird shit happens. Uh, so I like to explore some of those stranger moments of the, uh, of the 50-year drug war here in America. Uh, and this one goes back, like I said, to 1989. So I'm going to play a little clip here uh, just for some context. Uh, this was... George H.W. Bush uh, was was the president here and in 1989 for, for the kids. Uh, and he uh, <clears throat> this was his first like big address to the nation on drugs. This is how he was going to deal with with the drug war. And he had a very fun little prop that he that he had on hand for this. I'm not sure if you're familiar or remember this moment, but I'm going to play this little clip here that just gives you a sense of where we were at as a, as a country uh, when it comes to the drug war. This is the president of the United States in 1989, George H.W. Bush. President George Bush addresses the nation with an outline of his national drug policy. Our most serious problem today is cocaine, and in particular, crack. Who's responsible? Let me tell you straight out. Everyone who uses drugs, everyone who sells drugs, 
and everyone who looks the other way. This, this is crack cocaine seized a few days ago by drug enforcement agents in a park just across the street from the White House. It could easily have been heroin or PCP. It's as innocent looking as candy, but it's turning our cities into battle zones and it's murdering our children. Let there be no mistake. This stuff is poison. Okay, so for the listeners, he, he pulled out a, just a massive bag of, of huge rocks of cocaine. Like, I'm talking like baseball size, if not softball size, rocks of, 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 of crack. Uh, and, and an evidence bag, it was marked, and he was, he was kind of fiddling around with it on his desk there. Um, so, yeah, I suppose uh, the, the backstory to this is, is very funny. I would like to just kind of get your thoughts on, you know, you're sitting at home, let's say, 1989 with the kids gathered around the television. Oh, the president's going to speak. So j- just initial thoughts on, on the performance of, of, this, uh, of this piece from, from Herbert Walker. I thought it, for a second I was hoping he'd, he'd, like you'd see part of it open and he'd be like, that was already open. I, <laughs> yeah. that, that was already open. I didn't. <laughs> I, 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 all I wanted, he's so close to it. I just wanted for him to prove how bad it is for him to smoke it. And then still go no more and throw the rest in the trash. Yes. If you're going to bring the prop, he's got it on his desk. Yeah, you do want to see him take a whack. People talk about that fantasy all the time of like, I don't know if like the Beatles said it or everyone does when they're high. They're like, oh, if, if Putin could do shrooms, he'd end the war in Ukraine. You know, something like that. And. And while I know it's, I know it's. Uh, I think that was the bad. Beatles. I think that was the Beatles, by the way. That was the Beatles. <laughs> if Putin yeah, could, if Putin and it wasn't about Putin. Putin. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about someone else. But, but I, uh, I know it's bad to trick people into taking drugs. But I do think there's a level of uh, bad human beingness where we could all agree it would be cool to see if that's true. Yes. So I just, I would do anything. I don't know how anyone who drinks alcohol. I know everyone feels this way, and this is not a new point. But the fact that all these these people in charge get drunk every night, we knew. Maybe I don't know how much he drank, but his son was drinking. His son was and talk his about talk about hot dog sized lines of cocaine too. I mean, the whispers about W yeah. were yeah, a lot of cocaine and booze for for that man. Really, he was doing cocaine. That's too? right. That's oh right. My God, uh huh. Do you think he took some of that? I'm sure. He pinched. I'm sure. He must have pinched. What if he took out the bag and it was empty and he was like, wait, where'd the, <laughs> where, where'd the crack go? Just little crack crumbs in there. He's like, this was supposed to, this doesn't read at all for the cameras. We need, we need those big rocks back. W. Yeah. No, when W was in his, uh, in his days, uh, uh, I guess he was Yale. I think he, because I think it's a, I think that's where the old man went. I think they were Yale skull and bones people. So uh, when he was at Yale doing his thing as like a C student, whatever. Uh, yeah, he was, um, he was doing some cocaine and some, and some booze. So he probably pinched from that bag, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, you'd love to see, you'd love to see them have to, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't care for, I would never drug someone without their consent unless they were one of the masters of the universe, unless they were the, you know, the head of the CIA and then the vice president and then president and then, you know, puppeteer of their son's (laughs) presidency. You know, we all know HW's deal or my stepdad, like it's a short list, (laughs) but, but, um, I, I think it was strange for him to show it because it looked so harmless. And the fact that it was in that bag, for, in my mind, I was like, oh, if it was legal, it would come in these bags just like this. Yeah. And you buy this for six ninety nine, and they, they'd be safe. Yep, yep. And tested for, for fentanyl and whatnot. Precisely. And, uh, yeah. 
It looked very civilized the way he was holding that crack cocaine. I, I don't know. It's it's infuriating. It, I, I, if he had had like if he had had a little tumbler of whiskey right there, that would have really driven the hypocrisy home. Maybe even sprinkled in a little bit of crack. Yeah, and was like just a little's okay, but it's killing our children. That's right. Pop up, pop up can have a little sprinkle killing. in his whiskey. Pop up is allowed to have yeah. a little sprinkle while, while everyone gathers around to listen to his speech. But yeah, no one else can have any. And once again, it's like. He he. The first person he blames are the people who used the drugs. Sure, Beautiful. a real, real brutal. And now that everyone's addicted to painkillers, now now we're sympathetic to the drug users, mm-hmm. and it is so so infuriating. And I don't know how people don't feel the hypocrisy. Uh, uh, and I'm talking about white people. Right oh, of course, now. I don't yes. Know how sure. White people don't see the hypocrisy. They're truly blind to it. Yes, and. You know, it's it's just the foreignness of crack. I'm sure for a lot of people that was the first time they'd ever seen. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen rocks like that. When I when I think of crack, I think of you know what I saw the guy smoking on the subway this morning. As Absolutely, I went to the yes. Store. I've like as someone who smoked crack, you know, if you, if you heroin was my drug of choice, but crack, I smoked a fair amount of it. I've never seen rocks like that. I mean, those are those are big. Those are some. Those are rocks. Like those are those are like I'm gonna you know that's like hey Susie, can you uh you know, uh, uh, cancel all my appointments for the next three months. I'm going to go smoke. I'm going to go on a crack bender. Uh, that's a lot of crack. Um, Susie's my, my, my secretary, I just think I guess the I idea of the Oval office. office having that much crack in the Oval Office it's, is is a wild thing to do. The, the showing is over, whatever, whatever, police, look how much pot we, we took away. But you're like, yeah. well, where is that going now? So the funny, well, here's the fun part about the, the backstory of this too, because as with all, you know, Hollywood productions, which to some degree, you know, this performance by W where it was or HW where it was like, yeah, you know, we want to we want to have a prop. I mean, that's obviously his speechwriters came up with this and, and we're like, listen, let's we need we need something powerful. We need you to be, you know, dangling this bag around on, on TV uh, and to try to drive home the point where you're like, hey, this could be anywhere. This was right across the street from the White House. So here's where the problem came in, which Lafayette Park is right across the street from the White House. So, so allegedly this is like they wanted to really drive home that point. Now, instead of just lying, which is, you know, obviously, again, not a not an original thought here, but something they do pretty often as a, as politicians are, are, are fine with fibs all over town. I don't know why they didn't just fib about this, but the backstory just I also wanted to cap off this segment here is what they did to buy this crack uh, was was pretty outrageous. So I have another short clip here that I, I'd like to play because this leaked maybe like a week after this, uh, this, this little uh, telecast, oh my God. how he got his hands on this crack and what the deal was with that. So here's a little clip uh, given some of the backstory. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the behind the scenes of the infamous HW crack dangling speech. The legend of the Lafayette Park crack was born only after the White House called the Justice Department to ask if there was any such stage prop available. The Justice Department called the Drug Enforcement Administration, which had a case going in the neighborhood. And as first reported by the Washington Post, the DEA obligingly agreed to move the buy a little closer to the White House. The only hang-up was that apparently the teenage drug dealer didn't know exactly where the White House was. He finally found it, and the president got a three-ounce cash to flash. In Kennebunkport, the president was not apologetic. I said I'd like to have something from that vicinity to show that it can happen anywhere. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what they gave me, and they would tell me where they caught this guy. Meanwhile, the DEA said it had not apprehended the suspect yet because it still hoped to buy more drugs from him. 
But with the story out now, officials say they'll move to indict and arrest him if he's still around. Okay, so a lot, a lot to unpack there, but your thoughts. Well, first, how funny would it be if the drug dealer was George Bush Jr.? <laughs> and, and when they said it's by the White House, he was like, where is that again? <laughs> yes, it was, in fact, a drug dealer set up with W. <laughs> yeah, and he couldn't make his way to the, to the White House lawn to sell it. <laughs> you got to be a pretty stupid drug dealer. That if they're like, hey, meet me in front of the White House. Meet me, hey, meet me inside that cop car. Uh, meet me inside the jail cell. Like you, you're, you're kind of like, why? Yeah, of course. It'd be. And they're like, well, I had a little trouble doing it. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Not sure if this kid, I mean, this, this kid, you know, this, this was a fucking kid. It's a high school kid, it, it, it turned out. Uh, but yeah, the fact that you'd be like coercing, number one, like you're pushing this kid into being like, well, you know what? Let's just. You know, you're in the pipeline, whatever we have, like we're, we're slowly working our way up the ladder. And again, this was at the absolute bottom rung of a kid who probably was already like, wow, they're asking for a fair amount of crack this time because it's got to be camera ready rocks. So this isn't just some, you know, average drug. It's like, oh, they're looking for a fair amount and they want it like they're, they're trying to guide you as to where. Yeah, you're right. You kind of be like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, yeah. It, if it, I was that kid, if I was that kid's lawyer, I mean, I feel like I'd say, your honor, my uh, client isn't a drug dealer. He's he sells props. Yes, he sells props, and uh, that's <laughs> clearly what the president used it for. <laughs> so why isn't the president under arrest? <laughs> yes, yes, he should be the one. Yeah, exactly. If this turned from anything from a prop into a drug, then that's on him. I mean, we we were just selling props. We were wrangling up. Yeah, we sold them. Yeah, yeah. This was this was supposed to be a, a stage production here, and now it's turned into something else entirely. Uh, it was also funny that I, I, read, I read one of the bits, too, uh, from that Washington Post article that was like the DEA, the undercover DEA agents had to have people literally standing like right off camera within a certain distance of this evidence bag because chain of custody or whatever to then also be like, this was because, you know, there's, of course, supposed to be some sort of procedure when you arrest somebody on a controlled by to yeah. be able to prosecute them is that they had to be like, this can leave. OK, we got to put it in the desk. Like, you know, they were like directing this shoot as well. It's like once you show it, there's probably someone crouched under the desk who has to then take it out of his hand when he put it under the desk to be like, it's still in sight. Like it never left. It's still evidence. You see, it's marked sure. evidence clearly like that whole that that's just like a fiasco, which apparently I think that. The judge at the time, too, said as much was like, well, I don't know what the fuck sort of silliness this is, but let's throw, you know, this is a, a, a weird case. Um, so, yeah. So this is the kind of fun stuff that like when we were youths that we were just getting into just lavish productions uh, at the White House uh, to show us some the dangers of, of where you can buy crack and how da- it's so dangerous that you can buy it like right by the White House. If there's a few conditions met to be able to buy it on the White House <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things. It makes the White House look bad. I, I it's, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I, who? It's, it's just so lame. It's all so lame. <laughs> but, but the idea of oh, right in front, right in front of the White House. Oh, you know, in the White House, we com- they're also committing war crimes. <laughs> yeah, like, right. yeah, a lot of bad things happen within and in the vicinity of the White House. Sure, the least of the White House's concerns of what's going on there are, are uh, you know, what, the, the, the crack that's being sold across the street is the least of the problems. Yeah, what, what, what diabolical schemes were going on in that H.W. White House, including, which this is, of course, the irony to, to cap it all off, is like the, the George H.W. Uh, CIA, like, 
in Central America overthrowing governments. And then there's they were smuggling cocaine. That came out in the wash later. It's like there's all sorts of fun stuff where you're like, oh, the people selling it and the people looking the other way. So the people using it, first and foremost, are to blame. But then after that, people selling it and people looking the other way, I'm like, well, look no further, my friend. I'm sure I'm sure they went at like they're like, hey, George wants some uh, crack to show and the CIA had to pretend that they didn't have a warehouse full of it. Just sit it. Yeah, that they were about to ship. They're like, no, we can't tell them about that. Let's trick, let's trick a teenager in, into selling it in front of the White House. Oh, man. Well, we all learned our lesson there, did we not? Oh, man. Yeah, well, that was a, that's a fun one. Thank you for, uh, for diving into the, uh, the history uh, there with me a little bit back in 1989. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, but yet we have not. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to fly into our next segment here. and Fly on the heels of, of crack in the White House. We're going to fly into our next segment here. Uh, this one's called Listeners Untapped. You have reached four, four, three, MK Ultra. Now, John Marco, the listeners, uh, you know, a lot of people have thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Surprise. Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of hot, lot of hot takes, a lot, a lot of opinions, a lot of stuff. So I decided to set up a phone line, four, four, three, MK Ultra, and anyone can call that at any time uh, to leave any, any, anything. You know, questions, comments, concerns, uh, criticisms, whatever the hell you want. Rants, raves. I've gotten a lot of strange calls. Stuff that's not even fit to, to, to really to, to broadcast here. I don't just doesn't quite make much sense. But <laughs> just bong rips. Just bong, ri- <laughs> bong rips. <laughs> yes, it's just all you hear is that bubbles, the, that bubbler going. Um, so this one here is also short but sweet. Uh, so we'll uh, th- and this is an anonymous one. So let's just uh, let's hear this real quick. So this is a uh, this is a sex or drugs uh, question. So you know, again, no context for this at all. This is this is the, all that came in. So I guess I'll just have to you know make a choice. And before you answer, John Marco, you can put it in whatever you know, however framing you would like. I'm seeing this as like a a, a, a more of an existential question, more of like a life, maybe not existential, but a bigger picture question for the rest of your life. You could only have all any yeah. drugs you want or have sex. That's one way to look at this question. Again, there was no context given. So if I'm looking at that, I'm going drugs. Of course, it depends on the people you're having sex with and the drugs you're doing, I guess. But just generally, I'll say drugs over sex. Sure. Thought, what, what do you think? I, I have to say drugs as well. Sex. <laughs> I, I have had plenty of sex. That's, that's bad. I've done bad <laughs> drugs too. But uh, per my point at the beginning of this podcast, uh, as I'm as I'm nearing my final days, uh, I don't think sex is going to be on the table. I don't think I'm going to be on death's door and be like, "Yeah, sit on my face," because it'll break, it'll shatter uh, <laughs> underneath my fragile skull. But I do think I could be like, "Light up that doob, light up that doob." Yes, hell yes. Uh, so I I got to go with drugs. I agree sure. with that. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's all it all. I guess you know the, the devil's in the details with this. Very vague uh, question, but I do think you're right. I think that you assume you're going to be old when you're dying. You hope you're going to be older when you're dying. So, yeah, at that point, it's like, I mean, how many people, people pretend to want to fuck when they're like over 60, I think. I mean, we'll see when we get there. But, like, I think the over 60 crowd just pretends like they want to fuck. I'll tell you, my mom is not pretending. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I've heard Fair too enough. much. I've Fair heard enough. too much. She is, uh. They're they're still doing stuff. Technology is incredible. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, and that was the most, by far, the most ageist thing I've ever said in my life. My own parents uh, and my aunts and uncles <laughs> who listen to this program, mo- most of them don't, but any one of them who do are gonna. I'm gonna hear about that nonsense I just said. But 
Uh, but yeah, I think I just think for me personally. I hope the next voicemail you get is my your aunt and uncle fucking. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Bong rips and set and sounds of the of of passion, please. That's all I'm looking for from here on out. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, thanks so much uh, for sending that question in. Uh, 443-MK-ULTRA is the number. Uh, you know, Aunt Rose, Uncle Carl, anybody want anybody wants to phone in, 443-MK-ULTRA. Thank you very much. Um, and then, uh, so this, this next bit here, uh, John Marco, we learned a little bit about uh, our families here. Uh, but maybe we want to, our listeners might want to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so I'd, I'd appreciate if you'd step inside the user studio. We end our podcast session with a weekly dose version of the questionnaire that was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside the actor's studio. And the first question is, Jean-Marco Ceresi, what is your favorite drug? I'm a weed man. I'm a weed guy. Uh, I always go, the part I don't like is when I get stoned, I always, inevitably, have an existential dip. Like a just a moment, I start thinking about dying, or you know something. If I died right now, and it happens, and that's how I know I'm about to be the good kind of high. But I hate that dip. But then after that, uh, I I feel very creative. I feel um, I, if I see comedy, I'm like I, I will say like, oh my god, that's genius, that's genius, and it turns on to myself. Where if I have comedic thoughts, I go, "Oh, I'm a genius. I'm very, I'm, I'm very giving." And the part of me that's very envious goes away because I feel uh, amongst the gods and everyone else's gods. And so I really enjoy that. I think that makes me a more enjoyable human being to others and to myself. High highs and low lows, such is life. What is your least favorite drug? The cocaine so far, and I think it was so disappointing because I thought cocaine would be my drug. Uh, but I think maybe I thought that because, like, I act like people do when they're on cocaine. Like, I have big ideas, <laughs> and I think they're going to work. And so maybe I don't need it. But all I remember is I, I couldn't get it up, as I said, and uh, my heart was beating really fast. And I remember I was with this woman and I said, let me just Google real quick. Uh, has anyone ever died from cocaine? And a lot. <laughs> I didn't even have to go to the second page. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, like at least a couple dozen. Plenty of results on page one. So, <laughs> so I just, my heart beat fast and I did, it, I did not feel anything I would describe as positive. Mm. Nothing. What celebrity's overdose death has had the most profound effect on you? Philip Seymour Hoffman, hands down. Philip no Seymour Hoffman, yes, indeed. What is your favorite slang word for cannabis? Interesting, interesting. I think Mary Jane is kind of cool. I don't know if I'd ever use it in public. I think I'd get... I'd probably say, like, pot. Weed feels like weed. Uh, devil's lettuce feels too hokey. Mary Jane, that's cool. She sounds like a nice gal. I'd like to meet Mary Jane. <clears throat> I would absolutely like to meet and party with Mary Jane. Indeed. What drug would you like to deal for a living? Ooh. I, well, I bought shrooms recently. And uh, that feels like the, the easy, easier. 
feels like less variety you have to deal with. You just get shrooms or the chocolate. And uh, I would be like a responsible one because we asked the dealer, like, how much should we take? And he's like, oh, God. I'd be cool. I'd be like, take one, take one or two, see how you feel. I would caution everyone. Yes. Probably would be a bad dealer because each resp- bar would last them years. Responsibility. Based on my advice. Sustainability, responsibility. You can always take more, you can't take less. That's what they say. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a Pringles. That was Pringles' new slogan after the pop can't stop pop. Uh, what drug would you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances? Uh, I just listened to a podcast recently about this podcast called The War on Drugs. And um, it was it was basically about how uh, heroin is increasingly in a couple of years. It might not be heroin at all. It will just be fentanyl yes. uh, mixed with things. And um, the poppies are so expensive. The poppy fields are too expensive to deal with. It's so much cheaper to s- synthesize in a lab. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's strange. It, it was saying on this thing where like when people die from a heroin overdose, it's not necessarily a warning to people. It can be like a calling card. Like, this is the good shit. Sure. Uh, like, the same way that, like, if, if someone came to one of my comedy shows and you heard, like, someone died of laughter, you'd be like, I have got to see this I've guy. got to see this show. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and that's that's just a lot of... That's a lot of pressure. And then you find out you find out that you've uh, sprinkled fentanyl dust through the through the air ducts of the show as you were doing your set. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) Sure, sure. So yes, so heroin. You're saying heroin. You would not like to deal because it's 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 starting to become a a, a, it's falling by the wayside. Yeah, the dinosaur drug. Yeah, any anything anything where fentanyl is is in play. I don't I don't want to be I I don't want to be responsible for death. Sure. And finally, speaking of death, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear Philip Seymour Hoffman say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm, I would love him to say, (laughs) I'm so bummed I never got to do a scene with you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Love it. And I'd be like, I'd be like, Phil, are you high right now? And he'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Hell yes, hell yes. Jean-Marco, here are your drug users. Oh, well, well, well. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for indulging in the uh, in the user studio there. Philip Seymour Hoffman was a tough one, wasn't he? So yeah, good. it was like, I, I never I never met, I mean, I, as an actor, you know, I admired him tremendously. And I was like in an acting class where the, the teacher had taught him and I had friends who worked with him or were directed by him in a play. So it, it just felt like, Ooh, one day I might meet this guy. He was so tremendous. And I just remember the day it was just like a fantasy that one day I'll get to work with Philip Seymour Hoffman in some capacity. Sure, sure. And when that like vanished from my head, it like, it just like, a shock to the system. It was like a dream, you know, and, and may, maybe it saved me having to find out I would never work with him because I can't book anything. But it was like, <laughs> at, at the time, it was just like a dream that I would never have. And it felt so sad. Yeah. And, and, and I just think like, you know, I don't want to see Trump portrayed in movies and TV, maybe when I'm 60, who knows, but like, I would have loved oh. to have seen 
Philip Seymour Hoffman's Donald Trump. What an inc- I think that would yes, have been what an incredible cast. Oh my, that is an inspired post-mortem casting that you just did there. I never never even crossed my mind. That's amazing. Yes, we. I think we would all love to see that. Few people could make themselves, could show themselves so, to place, to, to really show themselves in the worst light possible. Yes, yes. And not for uh, laughs. Emotionally, physically, personality, like everything. Yes, like yes. He was willing to do it. And I'm sure there would be some funny, and he of course did pl- uh, plenty of comedy, but uh, I, I think he would be able to do it in a way that he wasn't going for any laughs. Which, you know, in mm-hmm. and of itself could be funny at times, but would probably more rip your guts out. Uh, that would be an amazing performance from Philip Seymour. Well, you know, look, I mean, according to the kids, we're all going to have these uh, these deep fakes will just be as as normal as, as you and me. You and me will be a deep fake at some point having this conversation. Sure. So I feel like we may see that we may see Philip Seymour reanimated in, in, a, in some sort of AI deep fake, uh, you know, once they replace all of the performers. Uh, you know, they're replacing the, the a lot of jobs. Ours might be the last to go, but, you know, that just might be our egos thinking that we're the last to replace. But no, I think it's coming. I, I my only hope is that live entertainment will actually thrive because of AI, because because even if you had AI, I think of it like this, like, you know, if you watch a video of like a seal uh, making a basketball in, in a hoop. Oh, yes. You're like, oh, that's you're not like, well, LeBron could do it more perfectly. What's cool is that a seal did it. Ooh, and in point. a way, I'm hoping that that's how my art form is viewed, that, yeah, you could get better stuff from a computer. But do you want to see a seal do it? And I'm and we're, we'll mm. seals. And so it's kind of cool that we did it with our horrific limitations. I bet you are absolutely right that if you side by side, like, uh, you know, circus tent style, Sold tickets to be like, here's an NBA game or for, for 10 bucks or which would be a hell of a price. But here's an NBA game for 10 bucks or for 10 bucks. We've got a seal shooting hoops over here. I think you'd probably have a longer line at the seal tent, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it, it's we we will always enjoy the potential for failure. And AI cannot replicate that. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be, someday we'll be there. And hopefully in that world, uh, you know, I like to always think of, uh, I'm a syringe half full kind of guy. I always like to think of things on the up and up. I would say, I would say, I would say that, uh, you know, in that, in those dark days where we have no jobs, at least we could sit home and we could put on the big screen. We could watch Philip Seymour Hoffman as Donald Trump in the biopic that, that will just really rouse everybody. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, well, John Marco, we're, we're pretty much, uh, I'm out of segments. I don't know if you have anything else to, any uh, parting words you'd like to say. Um, I want to tell, where, where, where should listeners follow you and what projects you got coming up? Please uh, listen to my podcast, The Downside. Yes, yes. Um, uh, where we, we, we talk some drugs sometimes. Um, and then otherwise, find me online at John Marco Cerezi. I'm touring all over the country pretty much every weekend. Uh, join the email list, the text list, so you know when I'm coming towards you. But uh, yeah, just just come see a show sometime. Say hi. Hell yeah. John Marco, thank you so much. And feel free, by the way, one last thing. If you're going to offer me pot after a show, it's got to, you can't offer me your vape pen. I'm not taking a hit off your vape. That's like if you said, I brought you soup, and I said, that's so nice, can I have it? And you gave it to me like in your hands. Like that's not, that's, that's not... 
Yeah. I, I'm not a germaphobe, but that's out of control. <laughs> I'm with you. You might enjoy the portability and the, the uh, you know, the simplicity of, uh, or convenience of your own vape pen. But yeah, you're not, you're not slurping. You're not asking you to be slurping some, some of that THC soup out, out of your hands after a show. I mean, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Maybe an edible out of the container. Maybe, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even an old school. There's something about a vape pen. You're right. It's so intimate. Uh, it's a very intimate yeah. offering. Um, well, that's good advice for, for, for fans. Uh, and thank you again so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And thanks to everyone for listening. This has been your weekly dose. Hey, America, there's needle you can sleep in with your children, with your daughters, with your sons, and with your husband. Self-Medicated Weekly Dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by 15, courtesy of Jeff Ott and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production design by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday. Just look for the Murph Meyer is self-medicated feed wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the self-medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial 443-MK-ULTRA. All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Goodbye.